0: Welcome to Alex and Annie, the real women of vacation rentals. With more than 35 years combined industry experience, Alex Husner and Annie Holcomb have teamed up to connect the dots between inspiration and opportunity,
1: seeking to find the one story, idea, strategy, or decision that led to their
0: guest's big aha moment. Join them as they highlight the real stories behind the people and brands that have built vacation rentals into the $100 billion industry it is today. And now it's time to get real and have some fun with your hosts, Alex and Annie.
2: We'll start the show in just a minute. But first, a word from our premier brand sponsor, Casago, and co-sponsors, Guest Ranger and Good Neighbor Tech.
1: Casago's founder, Steve Schwab, has been quoted as saying, You can only be a local in one place. This simple yet profound statement is the basis of Casago's franchise model, which allows locally owned vacation rental management companies the ability to compete at a national level by leveraging the systems, software, and support, the buying power of a much larger organization. As a Casago franchisee, you have the freedom to
2: run your business with the support of a community of like-minded professionals while leveraging the economies of scale and buying power to increase profitability and reduce operating costs.
1: Guest Ranger is the premier guest screening and chargeback protection solution. Leveraging AI, their tool effectively detects fraudulent activity, fake IDs, and underage guests, while also performing comprehensive dynamic background checks. With Guest Ranger, businesses can rest assured that their customers are safe and secure. Good Neighbor Tech
2: allows you to manage your properties remotely and intelligently, protecting your owners and your guests. Their smart Wi-Fi locks allow you to provide temporary access to home and garage from anywhere and keep track of when guests and service providers are in the property. Good Neighbor Tech provides the ability for you to collect email addresses from all guests staying in a property, not just the one who booked the reservation. Every guest who connects to the Internet will see your branded welcome page and be prompted to
1: provide their email address in order to connect to the Wi-Fi. Visit Casago.com forward slash franchise, guestranger.com, and goodneighbortech.com for more information.
2: Welcome to Alex and Annie, the real women of vacation rentals. I'm Alex. And I'm Annie. And we are joined today with a very special guest for our first of the month bonus episode that we have been wanting to have on the show for a very, very long time. We've had some in person interviews, but this is a special one. Welcome, Tiffany Edwards.
0: Thank you, guys. I'm excited. Long time coming. Yeah.
2: <laughs> now, T- Tiffany is the president of Coletta Consulting and is also the director of donor services for VRMA, the Vacation Rental Managers Association. And you've been in the industry for a very long time and so has, has your family, too. But um, beyond those kind of basic things, can you give our audience that might not know you just a little bit uh, more of your background?
0: Sure. Yeah. So my mother started a vacation rental company back in the um, mid '80s in the Panhandle area, so in Dustin, Florida. So I grew up uh, in the operation side with her business, and um, decided after several years of physically checking people into the front desk that I didn't want to be a part of the operation side. Um, also on turns on Saturdays and making all those beds. Um, so always loved politics. Uh, shortly then after on. Um, or went into college uh, with a political science um, focus, and then started working for different legislators um, in Florida, and then also working as a lobbyist in Georgia. Um, But then met my husband and got right back into vacation rentals. Uh, So (laughs) that's kind of, you know, full circle. But um, I, you know, I guess it's one of those things you just never really get out of. Yeah.
1: It's, I think we've talked to people where it's like you, I, I know me personally, I've tried to leave vacation rentals twice. And every time I come back, it's just like, it's something, yeah, I don't want to go back to making beds or checking guests that are dealing with the late <laughs> hour, you know, on duty calls, but mm-hmm. it's an industry that's full of very passionate people we all trip in, but then we can't get out of it. It's like, you can
2: check yeah. in, but you can't check out. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Hotel
0: California. We're in it for life. Yeah. Hotel California. Exactly. Yeah. And then you end up, I mean, again, for me, I mean, I married someone, so then it's, we yeah. talk about it all the time. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. it's, yeah, it's an, obs- I guess it becomes an obsession, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, you get around passionate people and it becomes a major focus and you just can't get out. So. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so speaking of passion, one of the things that I think that everybody is very passionate about these days is advocacy. And we found ourselves in a really great position um, coming out of COVID with a lot of spotlight on us and a lot of attention and the recognition that we needed a collective voice to um, define who the industry is. Um, Because of what has happened, we find areas of the country where regulations are just out of control and they're not happening in a fair uh, process. And so you are really in the middle, I guess, at the forefront or the fighting the front lines of advocacy for VRMA. I wanted to get your take on where things are right now and kind of what you feel like the general sense of advocacy is at the, at the moment.
0: Yeah. So, you know, one thing I think that's positive is I think there are going to be some slowdowns or we've seen some slowdowns with some of that regulation. There's been a little bit more balance in terms of occupancy and people being fearful that, you know, vacation rentals are taking over the entire world or their communities. I do want to say first and foremost that, you know, we are a fragmented industry and we probably will always be somewhat that way just because of the way that the law is written. So, state statutes are very different. um, And in terms of local communities, what and how you can regulate are going to be very different. However, one thing that we have done in the last couple of years since COVID has had a unified voice of how we identify who we are. And I think that's first and foremost, you know, politics becomes a lot more of a marketing campaign, um, an education campaign. And so I think in the last couple of years, we've done a better job to explain that we are professional, that we do take steps that are, um, you know, trying to be helpful within the community or be great members within our community that we're constantly searching for different education and high standards with our Um, you know, with our services. And so being able to communicate what that is instead of being this get rich quick absentee listing model um, where we don't care about the community has really helped. I think we've had a lot of members also step up um, where they didn't realize that maybe that they were active so-called lobbyists in their area just because they knew different elected officials or knew a lot of business representatives, but they've had a lot of... um, managers kind of step up to the plate and really advocate locally but utilizing um this this unified voice to help explain exactly who we are to a lot of legislators or elected officials who didn't know what it is that we do.
2: I think coming out of COVID the state of Florida did an incredible job going to Governor DeSantis and I know you were very involved in that effort. Can you tell our audience a little bit about what happened then?
0: Yeah, so um you know I think I can echo for everyone how scary that time frame was for us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were with several of the businesses that we have over in Florida, just terrifying knowing, you know, you have all these employees that depend on you and guests calling constantly. And every week we were having to cancel certain things out. And so um, we were really lucky at that time. We didn't have a lobbyist in Florida, but um, I had worked for... Um, the former majority leader there and, um, and actually knew uh, someone in um, in Governor DeSantis's office. And so every day we were sending over different data. Um, but most importantly, we had a, a group task force of probably about, I want to say about eight or nine of us that met every morning to say, okay, what are our skill sets? What can we do? Where is our reach? Um, and so, a big part of that, we had you know Expedia Group on there, on um, we had uh, BreezeWay, we had Key Data, um, we had Rent Responsibly, obviously VRMA's huge group. And so, we were looking at what all we can do. Um, we constantly were pulling data to say where our feeder markets or where people were coming, because the the concept was, or and I want to say concept mm-hmm. because it wasn't true is that Governor DeSantis was told that COVID came in from a vacation rental to the state of yeah oh wow (laughs) the, the fact that we were shut down but vacation rentals were still operating illegally he was under the impression um and they said and I think it was based on a first case scenario was a visitor coming from New York that was staying in a vacation rental somewhere in South Florida um, that's where the COVID, where COVID had started. So there was this understanding that we were all still operating, but we weren't. Um, and so we were just constantly pulling in, you know, different information based on their requests every day and having those conversations. And then also we created this kind of, um, pledge online and, um, and having people you know, write up stories and send some, send different things over. And then we really use the VRMA housekeeping, um, you know, the safety guidelines um, to help reopening county by county. So it was twofold getting DeSantis up, but then also understanding that he was going to have probably county by county open up and then working with our members in different counties to get the different requirements needed so that they could get their counties up in 24 hours or whatever that may be hmm Yeah. That was your, I mean,
1: scary does, is like, I, I, you know, we had the oil spill here a few years back and I thought that was like the worst thing that the, we had ever been through the, I mean, hurricanes in the panhandle all the time, but the oil spill was the worst. And then this just surpassed it on so many different levels. Um, yeah. I think that, Th- it goes back to like, what, what is the perception of our, what our industry does. And so mm-hmm. um, being able to, it, it was great that you had that connection. Cause I remember talking to Jason from key data and him talking about like going to the governor and him being like, well, why would I open you up? Like you guys are the problem. Not the you know, not yeah. a solution to it. And I think that it just speaks to as an industry, how we've not, we've not reigned in um, the people that are joining the industry, but people that, as they come up through the industry to, to educate in their community to be good stewards. Mm-hmm. we Alex and I talk about the good apples versus the bad apples all the time. And so, you know, that that was a very scary time. And I don't see that we'll ever go to anything like that again because we now have sort of a playbook to go back on. Um, do you think that we are in a better position in terms of ju- not just with Governor DeSantis, but governors around the country in a better mm-hmm. position to be able to talk about what we do and what it is that we represent within a market?
0: I I do. I think that we are becoming better educated as managers or as hosts. I think we also are um, so educated more so in what we can convey as what it is we do. And I think that you know, goes into the suppliers, right? This, you know, a lot of times when I meet with um, any elected official, Uh, I like to mention even how we utilize our technology or our supplier base to help provide us efficiencies and professionalism. That's something they don't even think. They think that we just put our house up on a listing market, collect a a check. Um, They don't understand that there there are different technologies we use to make us more efficient. Um, And so I think that we're also getting stronger and more emboldened to speak about what it is that we do. Um, so I think that that number one, that message is being conveyed. I think that we're out there publicly a lot more, um, you know, in terms of, especially some of the studies in that, that VRMA is providing. I think the most important thing VRMA is doing and can do is provide information at the top and then provide Mm -hmm. talking points of how you can trickle that down within your community. Cause every community, like I said, is fragmented. So you have to be able to understand how to digest that information and convey it to your local representative. Um, for example, our economic impact studies, if you just put out those numbers, um, you know, it may be seen as a tax revenue source. You got to mm-hmm. be able to use that information to say, whoa, hold on, we're really important. Look at what we do for your community, not look at how rich, you know, we all are. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think that, you know, we're our members are becoming more educated. I think the information, especially because they're now seeing the tax rolls of what have come in and the, the states that have stayed open or have been able to provide you know this side of tourism or open up to this tourism, I think um, there's just a better understanding. So we're at a really good place. Um, I think we're you know we're not in the absolute best place. It's an ongoing process, but I think we're in a, a really good place than what we were say prior to COVID.
2: Mm -hmm. We had uh, Adam Stoker on our show yesterday, and he was talking about a conversation that he had with Stuart Butler, who's the CMO of Visit Myrtle Beach. And he had a really great line that when you, from a DMO perspective, from a VRMA perspective, or any kind of an association, or really just business, when you share with people these statistics and what you're doing, and if you just share it, it's that's when you get a lot of questions of like, well, why is that or they they're making too much money or they're doing this or whatever. But when you actually in- engage with the people that you're trying to present this to and get their feedback, then then I mean you you form more of a coalition that they're on board to try and help with this too. And I think that's that's definitely what we've seen in our area and just in other areas of the country too, that it's like, you know we're all trying to we, we all have at the end of the day, similar goals. I mean, they might be a little bit different, but we're trying to get to the same outcomes. And, you know, as tourism professionals, we know keeping the quality of life for locals is super important that we, it, it goes both ways, but we won't have tourism if the locals get elected to city council and they try and shut it down. So we've got to be able to make sure that they are taken care of, that it is a community that is working together. And I think VRMA plays a big role and all of us as professionals and markets play a big role in being able to, you know, feed into that mindset to make sure we're being good stewards of these properties, the homeowners and the guests, and just delivering that professional experience. I think, you know, talking about the technology, like you said, that probably was very surprising for some of them because they did not, they just saw this as this like cottage industry of, you know, old old school times that that's, We actually have some of the best technology in any kind of accommodations. We've far surpassed hotels in a lot of ways. So I imagine that was shocking (laughs) to hear some of those things.
0: Yeah, very, very much so. I mean, even when we have met with some very high up, you know, even Governor DeSantis didn't realize, um, you know, Kind of the intricacies. The other part too that I think is really interesting is that we haven't even used this. We've used this study not just with elected officials, but I mean, we've used our Florida Economic Impact Study and brought it over to our Department of Business and Professional Regulations, which is the department that oversees the licensing for vacation rentals. Because it's not just elected officials. You have to really touch on the point of you know to to uh, to your point earlier, Alex, is that. You know, the other uh, entities that kind of help or support our system, you have to be able to talk to that so that you can bring them into the fold as well.
1: Mm-hmm yeah so um I am very fortunate to be part of the advocacy fund committee um that you yes, work with you. at Vrma mm-hmm. um no and it uh, what I what it's what's interesting to me is now and, and I talk about this all the time like there's such an opportunity because there's so few people that are actually participating in Vrma and you look at I always reference the pie you know it's like we we as the professional and not to say that people who have two units aren't professional but the larger professional been around for a while represents less than 25 percent of this pie So we have this 75% group out there that we need to do more outreach and more education. And -hmm. and I was looking at like the list of like, you know, people that we're working with now and I'm like, oh, but I know so many more people, but you, you know, you, it's trying to rein it in and figure out how to, how to get everybody to the, to the table to have a conversation. How do you think we as, um, as an industry can do a better job outreaching to those people that we, we it between like the STR versus the VR, like, so the people that are in. And I'm not, you know, the get rich quick side, but those are the Mm -hmm. ones that maybe aren't brought in with the the right um, mindset or tools or access to tools. Like how do we bring those people into the conversation and participate in it? So again, when there is issues of advocacy, they understand their actions have deeper ramifications for an entire community.
0: That's such a good question. I think being able to reach out. So in general, you know, we've had this specific kind of membership within VRMA and i think overall education is first and 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 foremost i think that being able to try to touch point on all of the you know all of those individuals and networking because Overall, starting off a conversation with advocacy is just not exciting. Let's be honest. I mean, it's, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I tell you just based on my algorithm, I'm not on a lot of social media, but I am on one, on one app and my algorithm alone, it'll send me different things where it's, you know, these profession, these professionals, quote unquote, um, <laughs> you know, uh, get rich quick with Airbnb, be an out yeah. of state model. And, you know, I can come yeah. and tell you how to, you know, earn a lot of money. I think that, and and some of those groups are what I've seen are younger and younger. And so I think trying out to find a way of how to network and be a resource and then bringing in the advocacy aspect, because um, it's a part, very much part of that education. But unfortunately, until it becomes an issue for you, it doesn't necessarily become the top priority. So I think as much as education and talking about, um how we present ourselves how we you know how we work um uh, within the industry i think that pre creates that avenue of getting involved if someone is a member of the RMA and is not doing something not necessarily just for our advocacy fund but at least putting in something budgetary wise for their own advocacy efforts within their local community They should be doing that because at some point something is going to happen or you should be, you know, investing in different elected officials or programs or that um, because that's just it's a general insurance policy. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think the more that we can educate on some of those steps and try to make advocacy a little bit more fun, to um, (laughs) you know, to learn about and understand that's, I think, how we get there.
1: Yeah. I think that people don't get involved in it until it's a problem. And sometimes when it's a problem, it's too late. Way too late. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Um, and that's the point where then you, you know, regulations in general become a co- complete compromise. I mean, it has to be a compromise. If right. it's something that's too late, you may be compromising on things that you probably wouldn't have had to compromise had you been yeah. a little bit more proactive.
2: Right. 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 Yeah. Right. So, I mean, the last two years have been incredible for growth of the advocacy fund, as people have realized that this is an important part and needs to be part of their budget. Where where are are the funds being deployed right now? Like, where are most of um, the issues focused around and where are we being able to help the most?
0: Yeah. Um another great question. So, yeah, we've grown over 400% I think in the last two years. Um wow. so last <laughs> year hitting over the 600,000. Um which you know is is technically small when you look at like the realtors or the hotels really? uh, or some of our OTA partners and what they are able Yeah. To spend <laughs> yeah. On the state level. Um you know, all of that is public record in terms of what they give to elected officials. So, you can look that up. But um Um, for us, we don't give anything to elected officials. So one of the things, the, the, the advocacy fund, all of the funds are voted on for allocation by our collaborative committee. Um, so if you're a tier one or premier donor, you're on the collaborative committee. And a lot of our board members are also on the collaborative committee. Um, and so what we kind of look at is, is several different things. One, all of our members are able to, uh, to, uh, put in a grant request, Um, So they can apply for a grant. We do have a pretty significant amount of money that is allocated towards towards those grants. And so we look at several different factors. One is, you know, where's our membership base for that alliance? Does their issue, is it a major, you know, concern? Is it something that's happening, you know, quickly? And is it material items that can be helpful, whether they win or lose to other members, so that they can become resources and those resources come into our toolkit? And we have uh, also have our, you know, our VRMA advocate, which is the toolkit um, that is a kind of one stop shop for all of our case studies and different information. It's also Um, part of that is behind a member wall. The other part is not. We have a specific section for policymakers. So a lot of times you guys might hear, some of the listeners here might hear, well, what's a perfect ordinance or our policymaker doesn't even know how to, you know, where to begin. And so we've kind of built up this system um, and hopefully this algorithm that helps with a Google search for policymakers to kind of look through and see what our policy guide is. um, And so to help with some potential ordinance writing Um, The other thing that we've committed to is two to three economic impact studies a year. Um, That's really, really helpful. So like I said before, it helps provide statistics. um, And then we have regional breakdowns. So we've done Texas, Florida. We have California coming out in June. Um, We've previously done Georgia, South Carolina, and Maryland. Um, This end of this year, we'll be doing Tennessee and Colorado. Um, so very, very exciting there. But those studies, if you haven't seen them, they drill down to what the actual tax savings is per household based mm-hmm. on vacation rentals for yeah. uh, the state. Um, so a lot of really great information there. But one of the things I'm really excited about um, is our national housing affordability study. So if you were at Spring Forum, our economist came and spoke about it. It's a follow-up study based on what Verbo did four years ago. So previous to the pandemic, and it looks at what factors actually cause housing affordability. Mm. Um, And so it's what it does is that even though it's a national study, you're going to be able to break down talking points as to what some of those causations are. And then you can pull out like what are specific things in your area that would also create that increase. Um, okay. So that's going to be extremely helpful. And then one of the other things that we've done is we've joined some lieutenant governors um, associations and also another city organization, um, which has gotten us in front of several lieutenant governors. And uh, I think we have a call next week and the following week for speakers in Florida and California um, to present some cases on vacation rentals. So right. um, one of the best things that we can do is move away um, from you know a definition where we don't know what we're called. Right. But to actually define what it is that we are and then call us either the short term or vacation rentals or short term vacation rentals and have an understanding of what that is. And I think that through some of those conversations with those higher up elected officials um, have really helped them that. So,
1: yeah. So um, moving forward, what do you see are the big um, the big like hot button issues that are out there for people to be concerned about?
0: I love this uh, question. And <laughs> You know, I, so I, it's a total crystal ball, but I, so after the, after COVID, I had said, watch out, taxing is going to become an issue. And it has now started, we're starting to see some of that in the commercial tax aspect, um, taxes, and it's not just higher taxes, but it's a diversification of our tourism tax. So Mm -hmm. We saw in Florida a bill that was put up that we shut down that would have would have expanded tourism. Our tourism tax right now is specific to marketing um, mm-hmm. and some local discretion, whereas this would have moved it more to the state. Um, and it was a committee proposed bill, so something that would have been mm-hmm. just slipped in. Um, California right now is looking at a 15 percent increase in tax on top of what they already have for tourism that would help with housing affordability. We've seen commercial Tax almost um, you know, we had a bill come up in Colorado. So that is something that I think we're gonna start to see a little bit more, especially as we see a recession and some of our, you know, general budget items law losing money at a state level. So they're gonna try to look at that for what where could we pull money? Um, I, I think that's gonna continue to be a trend. I think the biggest trend that we're gonna see in the next year or two is actually going to be. On what I like to call investor spending or investor housing, so um, mm-hmm. we have uh, seen in the last year or so where this this idea of uh, you know buying up investors buying yeah. up a lot of homes and then using them as short term rentals, and that's been really convoluted with the idea that we're all investors. Uh, And so we've seen on a federal side, uh, some regulation, our bills that are proposed against buying up uh, more than 100 homes, uh, not just for for short term rentals, but just as an investment portfolio. Um, We saw in Texas and Hawaii, some restrictions buying up housing, um, more specifically for short term rentals or the ability to buy up if you were not a local I think that's going to play an effect and we're going to start seeing some more conversation around that Um, more so as mortgage rates go, you know, kind of come up or um, where there's some limited housing or the idea that we're just investors um and we're, you know, leaving these houses to just be rented a couple times a year. Uh, I think that that's going to be discussed a little bit more and I think that we need to do... We need to figure out a better way to have our talking points because we are a lot of these homes are LLCs. Our personal home is an LLC. Mm-hmm. Um, but figuring out how we talk through that again of why we are an LLC and why the liability is. And yes, this is an investment, but we're invested in the community because we want to have a home that we go and spend time. And so if you go back to that technology A lot of times we'll run reports we're on. um, Some of our businesses are on, you know, we'll run Escapia. We have an Escapia portfolio on most of our businesses. And, um, you know, how many times has an owner come and stayed and what's that average rate? And is it during the peak, you know, peak season? Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. You know, our um, in California, we have a very high owner stay just based on what our regulations there are and some of our monthly stays. Are a little bit different than Texas, but being able to convey and um, really articulate how our owners use that and why they use that and why they chose our area helps kind of talk through that with some of our elected officials. So it is an investment, but we're not just an investor.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, we're definitely seeing that in our area here. That I mean, really, not just uh, affordable housing, but just housing in gen- general for you know regular people in a destination. And places like Myrtle Beach or in 30A, or it's probably Destin, Panama City, same thing. It's just, it's hard to find housing. And then these tourism areas that really rely on workers that they're not having to drive, you know, over an hour, if not more to get in here, to be able to service the properties. It's like, that's, that's a problem. And these investors that are buying up the properties and then turning them into um, short-term rentals and, uh, or long term, but just I mean the prices are just un- unbelievably high. Um, it's it's an issue, and I, th- I think the 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 focus has changed over the last couple of years of like focusing more on the issues with the smaller hosts. That now they are looking at those investors. But I will say that on the other side of it is something that's still very prevalent in, in um, most destinations' minds is how to make sure that. All the, all the individual hosts are paying taxes, right? And I know there's different software that's out there and some areas have had better luck than others and being able to, um, you know, really get a good eye on, on, on what's out there and not ta- not just taxes, but I mean, the business licenses. Have you seen uh, in Florida or in any other areas, anything that's working well with that, with finding like business licenses that haven't been enacted?
0: Yeah, so there are some softwares that are a little bit more friendly to our industry. Mm-hmm. There are definitely some softwares that are not. Um, but I will say that I will give credit to some of the OTAs, like Expedia Group went into um, an agreement in Hawaii where they agreed to do um, the tax ID number on all of their listings. And, um, and then it also requires to have the business license um, mm-hmm. for um, a manager or for a host to put it on their website. I think yeah. that you know is really helpful. You can easily cross reference that um, for any kind of code compliance. That's a that's a pretty easy thing. We actually put mm-hmm. that in our bill in Florida um, that didn't pass, but I think that that's something that all of us would agree to. It's very easy to put that on you know kind of on your listing site, um, yeah. and that's one of the things that I think has been the most helpful. You know, the problem is, is these you know cities, um, you know the counties they require a lot of staff to have to look at all of this. Oh yeah. Yeah. That your fees are going to go up pretty astronomically to not only cover this, but to also be potentially a revenue source for these cities Mm -hmm. or counties. Um, so, but the other part too, is that these software programs, um, you know, I would really, if, if your County or city is looking at them, I would spend a great deal of time of trying to research what all it is that they're providing in the amount because we've seen mm-hmm. things, we've seen some contracts that have just been so astronomical in pricing for the year that that you're gonna have a higher fee registration fee coming. And I mean, we're seeing double and triple in registration fees just to help cover some of that software. Um, so if you can offer suggestion, like you know that you're required to list that tax number or whatever that may be, that's that's very helpful. Yeah.
1: yeah. I always find like people that fight that simple component of it are the ones that are like the red flag walking down the street and you know that they're not doing things <laughs> the way they yeah. should be. Um but I think I think to that point there's a lot of people that understand that it is going to cost there's a cost associated with it, with implementing, but we need to have that. We, like, I think we're all willing to pay if it's gonna mean that like we can stave off these in, like insane regulations. I mean, some of them are just, I think we, Alex and I met somebody at the Northwest VRP and they were talking about an um, area, I think it was in Oregon where they just passed a, you know, a legislative um, bill that went through that it's like basically gonna decimate one entire community. Yeah. But the person that had put it up happens to own vacation rentals like on the opposite side of the community and it like carved yeah. out the other side and it and it's just it really it really is um it, it's disheartening that people would not be want to want everybody to succeed and prosper um but it it does take a, a balanced uh, balanced approach and i think it takes people like yourself who are educated about the topic and can go in and speak to the truth of it and that be fact based and again you know to your earlier point about providing data it's great mm-hmm. to provide data and data is really great but if you don't provide the context behind that data it can be skewed in such a bad way that it ends up shedding a bad light on all of us so i i want to say like just for myself being in the industry for most of my adult life, like what you've done for like the association and how you've rallied people. I mean, you're an incredible leader for all of us. And I think that it, just having you as the spokesperson for VRMA and for, you know, for advocacy has been a great asset to all of us.
0: Oh, well, thank Definitely. you I appreciate that very much. I, um, I will go back to the taxing real quick too. And that I think that it's important. And we've had this conversation several times with all over the country is that I want people to pay taxes because I'm having to pay it. So my, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's not fair. It, if you don't have yeah, to, it's yeah. not fair. Yeah. My rate's completely different than if someone's not paying taxes. In fact, we had someone right. where he found out that they were renting some stuff out behind, you know, outside of us. And we thought they weren't paying taxes and we got rid of them. You know, I mean, yeah. it's a very strong line. Like everyone should be paying that it's a betterment for the community, but also what are we attracting? You're you're not helping our rates in our area. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that's a, it's a very low hanging fruit that it is surprising that other people don't kind of, you know, jump on that, but you're right. You, a lot of times when you look at these regulations, you gotta, you gotta dig in a little bit deeper and go, who's behind this and what. Right. What are the motives? Yeah, Yeah, for sure.
2: For sure. One thing that I think gets um, confused within areas is the whole concept of preemption. And obviously Florida has that. And you know, there's a motion or there's an initiative in South Carolina to have that, that passed. And I'm not sure exactly where it stands at this point, but can you explain just basic basics on what that means? Because I definitely have heard very different accounts (laughs) depending on who I talk to on whether it's good, whether it's bad and what it actually means, you know, for a community when it is put into place.
0: Yeah, pol- uh, preemption is so polarizing or can yeah. be polarizing. <laughs> and part of it is just not understanding, again, yeah. really what it means. So people really think that preemption means no bans, and that's not the case. Preemption means that the licensing or the regulation is preempted to the state, meaning that local communities cannot over-regulate because the state has the ability to regulate. And so what that does is it creates a consistency and framework and guidelines. So if uh, if you have homes, units in various counties, it creates the same type of regulation. Now, in Florida specifically, um, we have a, we still have allowed, or the counties or cities are still allowed to register on a local level. So there may be some, you know, there's some other guidelines that they can follow. Noise, trash, parking, all of those nuisance, um, nuisances are regulated at the local level. Um, you know, the registration they can have, they can, keep names of, you know, owners or property managers They can require signs. So there still are some ability to, you know, to somewhat regulate, um, but they can't exactly ban them because that's the state's ability to do that. Um, In Florida, also HOAs can can ban. ban. Um, HOAs, you know, they supersede. Um, what the state is allowed to do because that's in their covenants. Um, but we've, you know, it's a constant battle with the preemption. Um there are several states that have preemption. It is once you get it, it is a battle every year. Just ask Arizona uh, mm-hmm. what they've had to deal with in the last couple of years. But I think overall, preemption, to me, is a very good thing. It's been very helpful for us. Um, but more importantly, because in Florida, not only is it preempted to the state where we have the local registration. Um, so, you know, there is ability for our local municipalities or local jurisdictions to collect taxes to keep and uh, keep hold of all of that. Um, and, you know, provide some type of, in, you know, quote unquote, inspection if they need it, or occupancy can still be regulated on a local level. Um, but the state uh, still, uh allows or does not allow any local jurisdiction to, um, to oversee or to, um, um, do, uh, what is it, the, just lost my train, the, um, duration and frequency. So they can't say that you can only stay this amount of time. They don't say that you can only stay for so many, you know, times out of the month. Um, if you were, uh, if you had your, your regulations in place before, are after 2011, before 2011, a lot of areas, so like Fort Myers Beach, Key West, they already have regulations on the books. So they do have duration and frequency, but to me, duration and frequency are some of the most important because even if you're preempted to the state, but you don't have some of that language in there, you could still have some concerns and issues.
1: Gosh, there's just so much to unravel with this whole, (laughs) the whole topic Uh, yeah, so I think I think it this this begs like we need to have you back like later this year to talk about kind of where things ended up. If people are interested in finding out more about the advocacy um through VRMA and and maybe joining the advocacy fund, what's the best way for them to get that information?
0: Yeah, so if they want to go to vrmaadvocate.org, um, that's our our advocate website that's our toolkit, but you can also learn more about uh, you know the advocacy fund. Our application is also on there. um uh, but more importantly, some of our state so not on are not behind the member wall, but our state pages are on there. So information about the state statutes or your tax collection or different case law um that's on there. Um, and then also our policy guide is on there as well. so, um, That's a great place just to get started and um, kind of research around what all's kind of going on. Well, I think um, we'll we'll focus on trying
1: to make advocacy fun and sexy and cool. And, yeah. yeah, it should be the advocacy
2: fun with the F-U-N capitalized. And, right? Yeah. 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 There you go.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, well you know, right. it's funny because we—I've said this before, but you know, when I first went to attended my first conference for VRMA. Um they we didn't even have a governmental affairs like (laughs) department for that. And so now we've come a really, really long way. We just yeah, you're right. It has to be capital F U N. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would, I will suggest too that if you are planning on going to our international conference um, in October, we do have an advocacy fund reception. So that is really fun. So, that's fun. Yes, so that's yeah, good. yes. We've been to those. They're definitely yeah. fun.
2: <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Tiffany, so much for coming on today. If anybody wants to contact you directly, what's the best way to get in touch?
0: Yeah, it's uh, Tiffany, T-I-F-F-A-N-Y at Coletta, C-O-L-E-T-T-A, consulting.com. Awesome.
2: If anybody wants to get in touch with Annie and I, you can go to alexandannipodcast.com. Be sure to subscribe, leave us a review if you like listening to the show. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And in the meantime, thank you everybody for tuning in for the June 1st, first of the month bonus episode. We will see you next time.